In a world where we're constantly told that men are from Mars and women are from Venus and never shall the two understand each other, I know there's another way. This is what happens when Venus and Mars unite. Tune in for conversations about masculine and feminine embodiment in ourselves and in the world around us, relationships, marriage, parenthood, love, purpose, dating, and everything in between. This is the Venus and Mars podcast, and I'm your host, Anya Shack. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Venus and Mars podcast. I am so honored and privileged to be here today with a very special woman. Her name is Magalie Renee. She's a compassion and confidence expert. She's the CEO of Workplace Catalyst, and she's a transformational coach. She inspires so many, and her and her team have been featured on Good Morning America, Forbes. She's worked with Eventbrite. She's worked with the Ford Foundation, and clients also include Publicist Group. She is also the founder of Find Your Shine, which is an incredible transformational workshop. She's done that throughout the world. So I'm so pleased to welcome her. Magalie, hi. Hi, it's so good to be here, Anya. Yes, my friends, <laughs> my sister. <laughs> yes, I feel the same way about you. I think it's just so beautiful to share this space and to create something with you about a topic that I know is near and dear to both of our hearts. <sighs> this one, it definitely requires a breath in and a breath out. So yes, let's just I'm take breathing. one. Breathing. <laughs> <sighs> We're talking about daddy issues today. And we're specifically talking about daddy issues and how they show up in our love lives and also in our career lives. And at the end of the day, that's really all there is that we've got for us. So I want to start by kind of laying out this topic a little bit, and then I'll just have you kind of jump right in and we'll get into it. You guys, we're going to get into it today. It's going to be really beautiful. And my greatest intention for everyone that's listening is to find some things in here that are really going to help you open up and think about your own life and what childhood you might have gone through in order to help you kind of start to maneuver your way through through some of these things that we'll be talking about. So just to jump in, what are daddy issues? (laughs) First off, I hate the term daddy issues in general, because it doesn't have any ownership. It's like a noun. It's like, a ball that like women just picked up somehow from nowhere. And now suddenly they have this ball and where did it come from? And I think the biggest part of it, I just like to make one small correction and change it for the whole world and have it be daddy apostrophe S issues because they're his issues that are projected onto her. And so that is kind of the foundation where I want to start. What do you think about that? I love it. I think it's it's brilliant. I think it's a perspective shift. And I think it removes blame and shame and justification and all of those energies from the conversation, right? We take it away from there's something for us as women who have struggled with daddy's issues and who need who get to because it's a privilege at this point who get to heal from those things over time. I think it takes away that shame. And it says, hey, this isn't something that I deserved. This is some this is not something that should have happened to me. I wasn't to blame for this. It's an experience in my life that has given me an opportunity to grow. Right. And Mm. it just takes the shame away. I love that perspective shift. Mm, I love that. That's perfect. And I think in my own journey, and I'm sure you might agree with this, Magalie, but there was this kind of like crossroads 
the one side of it was I want to blame somebody because I don't want to, I don't want to take the blame, but then I also don't want to blame anyone because I want to take ownership for my life. And what helped me really understand this was to remove the blame from daddy per se, and actually just put it on the archetype that he represents because who he could have been. No, I was like, whoa, I was so blown away by that one. I was like, wait, wait, what do you mean in the archetype he represents? Please speak to me, speak to me. Andrew. This is all also taken from Marianne and A Course in Miracles and what it means to be your highest self. So it's not that dad is a bad person per se. It's that dad was stuck in his own shit and could never actually make the leap from who he could have been to who he could, he never made the leap from who he was to who he could have been. And that's who the blame is on. That's who the blame is on. So I kind of want to just jump in. How do you, how do you resonate with this? And where can you begin kind of telling a a story about this for us? I think this is going to be, you know, we're going to go deep. So might as well jump in. I think I've got to be transparent and vulnerable about how this shows up for me in my life. I'm very grateful to my father for, you know, so much. He instilled a sense of integrity. Um, He was present in my life. He wasn't like a deadbeat dad that just didn't show up for me. Uh, Physically, he was physically there, right? Physically present. I got my gift of speaking and my gift of writing you know, language Mm -hmm. and words all from my dad and music, my love of music, my love of art. These were things that he really instilled in me that came from my dad and my mom. And those are the gifts that I use right now in my life. They're literally how I make my living. They are how I live my purpose. So I'm very, very grateful to him. And I recognize that those came from him. And the daddy issues really for me is all around the emotional, the lack of emotional support and the, yeah. so it was really like the relationship was emotionally fraught, right? I could say it was emotionally abusive physically at some yeah. times, but I also feel almost, there's mm-hmm. almost a guilt in talking about that because I'm not sharing this to shame him in any way. Mm-hmm. I've healed a lot of things. I'm sharing this because I know there are so many women who have experienced physical trauma, emotional trauma from a parental relationship. And um, there's no shame in that, right? And I've just got to speak to it because this is what I do. But so that was my upbringing. I just shared with the man that I'm seeing, I just shared with him recently that I don't know what it's like to be in a relationship that isn't volatile. And that's because my primary relationship Uh, between myself and the first man in my life was a volatile one. So that's a very mm-hmm. challenging, yeah. vulnerable, scary thing to share out loud. A lot of my friends know this about me, my very close <laughs> yeah. friends, but it's not something I even talk to, I don't know, some family members about. Yeah. There's a scale. I mean, abuse is abuse, but I do think that there's a scale and I still have a relationship with my father and I love him dearly. And, you know, there's also a cultural element of it because I'm from, my parents are Haitian. So there's that like cultural patriarchal Mm. kind of situation and dealing with all of that. That's just kind of the culture, you know, women are not 
they're not, they were not, and maybe right. they are now in a different way, right. but they were not really looked upon as like equal in a lot of ways. Yeah. They had a very, very defined roles. So this isn't to make excuses for him. This is just explain that there's a lot more to it than just the things that didn't work and what I, the trauma that I experienced. You said that so beautifully. I mean, first of all, I resonated with every single thing you said. I, I know that that's part of the thing that really connects us is to understand where we come from and how we've been able to overcome so many things. You know, funny enough, you know, my dad's the one that introduced me to Sade. And I was like listening to her earlier and like this love of music and all of this, all of these beautiful elements of the arts. And I find that if I ask myself deep down what it really is about him being unable to have given me the emotional support that I needed, it was his own inner turmoils with not achieving or not expressing his own creativity because he has it and I got it from somewhere. It's tragic. It's quite tragic to watch someone have lived their whole life without allowing themselves to, to be themselves and that therein lies the, the, the hurt and the pain and the ego and the anger and the, the control. And so it's really beautiful that you just laid all of that out because I, I feel so grateful for so much, but because that wound of not being seen, not being acknowledged. Like for me, it would be like drawing a picture and showing it to him as a small child and him saying, you got pain on the floor and like shoving away the image, the, the photo. And just, it's definitely been difficult for a lot of my friends to, to finally learn that I wasn't given attention or seen the way that I needed. And so it's been even almost hard for me and vulnerable as hell for me to accept and understand that I've been so used to not being seen as a child. So it's so hard for me to accept being seen as I grew. So it's powerful. That's so uh, beautiful. And, you know, it's a very tender and, uh, you know, yeah. it, it's sad. Like it's such a sad experience. Um but it's so beautiful to share yeah. because there's so much available there. You know, for me, my example would be like if yeah. I stubbed my toe yeah. or hurt myself as a child, like really little, right. and I was crying, that's like a normal reaction. Right. I was told <laughs> you're fine, right. be careful next time and like uh, shut down, like really, and like yelled course. at. And it's because he cared so much is the way that I look at it. He just didn't have the yep. ability to cope with his care. Right. And so he would just get angry. Like the mm. anger response was the response to me being in pain. Totally. So that, totally. you know, we're going to get into it. I'm going to let you guide the conversation. But there's a lot there around what I then accepted. Yeah what I then wouldn't allow myself to feel, yeah. what I felt and wouldn't allow myself to show, what I wouldn't yeah. even yeah. allow myself to expect from a partner. Yes. And what yes. I then accepted. Absolutely. And just what the frequency attracts, I mean, and just what was modeled, especially between the ages of three and eight, which are the most fundamental years for a child, to feel love or not feel love. It's very reptilian in that moment. There's no cognitive yep. thinking going on yet. It's like, do you feel it or do you not? And if there was this level of absenteeism or criticism or 
just verbal and emotional abuse, the answer is you did not feel it. So the wound was there. It was created right then and there. And sometimes, so powerful, the wound was created and it's really taken me years and years and years and relationships upon relationships with men yes. to understand or be, even begin to, to dissect like what is the wound? Because so yeah. much of it was internal and was subconscious. You know, they say 90% of your behaviors are driven by subconscious. You're mm -hmm. unconscious to it. You're just yes. in reaction. Yes. And only 10% of it is conscious, if if that. And yes. so that wound that's formed so young, yes. I, I react to things. I'm now beginning to see how yes. I react now after doing so much work, how I automatically react and assume something's negative and I'm triggered and want to be in reaction, you know, versus response because of wounds that I didn't even know I had. They're just like that mm. deep. So. That's, man, just right away, this is something for everyone to kind of maybe like a little tidbit. I only recently kind of understood the full capacity of people that have been traumatized in this way, see silence, or I guess just silence or withdrawal or no invitation as rejection. They see it as rejection. So oh, when it's, it's so interesting. So it's like, I've had this experience over and over in my relationships too, where it's like, you didn't say anything about that thing, or I haven't heard from you or all of those elements in neutral. That's just neutral. It's just normal. Like we just haven't reconnected again. But for someone that has that kind of traumatized brain, it just, it goes to rejection right away because that's what was so common in childhood. Yeah, I think what's landing right there, it's making me think of attachment styles. Yeah. And yeah. so I would I, I feel like we have to go into that. Now we get to go into we get that. To. Next, we get to. Right? It's yep. such a privilege to get to yeah. talk about the attachment <laughs> yeah. styles. And yeah. yeah, so that that neglect for you, that uh shoving away for me of like shoving down emotion, you know, pushing pushing mm -hmm. down my emotions that created this desire. It created a disparity or some kind of like, just like a break in how I attach. And yep. meaning when we're thinking about love and relationships yep. um, with our significant others, in our cases, it's heterosexual men, right? Like, yep. so like when we're thinking of that, there is such an inability, there has been in the past for me, an inability to attach in a healthy way. Right. And if you all don't know about attachment styles, there's anxious and avoidant. And yep. then there's like, I'm sure there, there may be more. I know there's like the healthy attachment, right? What is healthy attachment called? Secure, avoidant, anxious, and then there's disorganized. Got it. So I yes. have anxious and avoidant. Okay. Because I want so much the attachment and the attention and the relationship, but I'm yes. also so afraid to be rejected, <laughs> yes. right? That I then also deal with like, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to 
say I'm right. not going to show my vulnerability. And right. I mean, I'm speaking in present tense, but a lot of this is past tense because Absolutely. holler y'all, we're going to go, <laughs> we're doing the hero's journey in this conversation. So <laughs> you can move through this. I have moved through a lot of this, right? Absolutely. And when it shows up, I handle it. <laughs> yeah. The self-soothing, which we'll get to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I just wanted to share kind of how I attach and, and just, um, and if anybody can relate to that, to that anxious wanting the wanting the connection so deeply and yeah. then the avoidant being so afraid to share and show and connect mm. and love absolutely yeah. and that anxious really is created because maybe you had some sort of feeling of love once maybe twice it's like a breadcrumbs experience but it didn't come again for a long time so you tried to make the most out of that moment so for me maybe it was you know, hearing I love you, I, th I think I heard it maybe twice my whole life from him. And those times I remember vividly because they were impactful for me. That's not enough, <laughs> you know, but I think as I grew into adulthood, I modeled that that was enough. So I attracted those types of breadcrumb scenarios into my life. And it makes sense thinking that these little moments of attention were, were enough for me because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel that I was good enough throughout that. And I think that's where it comes from. So being able to overcome that, I think the the way it works is, yeah, like anxious is is doing that. Like they want it so badly, whereas the avoidant is, is sure it's not going to happen. So they just stay away anyway. They just completely put up the walls. So it's those two are the ones that really want to find each other in life anyway, too. Yeah, which is, that's the other piece of it, right? So yeah. This is so beautiful. It's it, there's uh, a lot there. I'm hearing yeah. about. I'm hearing breadcrumbs. I'm just kind of gonna pick yeah. back off of some of what you yeah. said. I'm hearing settling, right? Yeah. A lot of women with daddy issues settle for yeah. partners that cannot give them. They sometimes don't have the capacity, and in worst case scenarios, they choose not to give them what they deserve. They don't yeah. give them what, what they get to have as women. Right. Absolutely. And it's also the deepest. And I think the biggest, uh, the most challenging piece for me has been recognizing now this is deep. This may throw the listeners for a loop, but recognizing those moments in my life where I have become my own version of a daddy issue. Like I've yeah. taken over the role of treating myself as less than I've taken over the role of telling myself my emotions aren't valid invalidating yeah. my feelings, my own feelings, right. Um, choosing partners that would invalidate my feelings because I have this deep desire to restore that original relationship. Mm. So I keep choosing the same type of, or similar, <laughs> not the same, but like similar in, in yes. different aspects, similar yes. uh, experiences so that I can resolve it in my adult life. This is all again, subconscious because it Absolutely. sounds sociopathic, right? We're like choosing <laughs> the madness, but right. that's the thing I think yeah. we get to recognize as yeah. we're going through our healing journey. It's yeah. like, how can we, begin to be aware of the ways in which we are becoming our own daddy issue mm, instead absolutely. of starting to disconnect those things and choose something different, even if it feels not real, uncomfortable, <laughs> this can't be true. Oh my God. Like all of the things, choosing the things that work for us anyways. 
Ooh, that right there, man, that is just everything. <laughs> I am just hearing that in myself. Yeah. In the past, just right away, like doing something, achieving something and right away being like, that was terrible. That was shitty. Like it just like on autopilot, just the the level of self-criticism, exactly like manifesting that whole and then that whole experience. And then this is the moment where it really becomes about taking ownership and then being upset that I'm not finding partners that would approve of me or would validate me or would give me praise when I'm spending my whole day critiquing myself. So it's a, it's a mirror. That's a mirror situation of like, it's like we talked about at the jump of this episode, like the blame goes on the archetype, not on him. So now it's like, that shit sucked. Didn't deserve that. Not my fault, but it is what it is. And now what? Like, now what are we going to do? And I think that's a really powerful place to be. And it's it's been the biggest game changer of my life, I think, to finally just decide that I'm going to approve of myself, period. Yeah, like, <laughs> because if, oh, good God, that. So I know, I was going to say I don't think, but it's not I don't think. It's literally yeah. I know that I didn't begin to attract the kind of men that I wanted to have in my life that brought, that elevated my life, right? That mm. elevated me, that felt mm. good to be around, that made me joyful and happy. I didn't start attracting that until <laughs> yeah. I was able to begin to be that for myself. Uh. And, you know, you were saying that was a whole word, Anya, talking about being your own worst critic. And like, yeah. if you're bringing, if that's the energy I'm cultivating within yeah. myself, there's yeah. no way I'm going to, I'm, I'm holding an energy literally <laughs> yep. like attracts like. So I'm going to attract uh, a guy, which uh, I have done, who says out loud what I am thinking in my head. The things yep. I'm most afraid of, the things I feel the worst about myself is yep. what that person's going to be saying to me mm. because that's the energy I'm attracting. And none mm. of that shifts until we begin to practice for ourselves take ownership from our, for ourselves. Mm. Okay. These were daddy's issues. Yes. I took these on unknowingly, unwittingly. This is an adolescence yeah. as we're growing yeah. up. You know, it's not yeah. to blame, but yeah. the truth is it's, we're conditioned. So yep. I was conditioned. I took those on as my own issues. And I said, I have daddy issues. <laughs> I became my own damn daddy totally. issues. Totally. And now how do we get on the other side of it? Uh. Right? So I think that's like a, such a powerful uh, empowering way for us to take the co direction for us to take the conversation, right? Is like, totally. how can we, who did we need to be? What is it taking from us to shift yeah. and to move out of that trauma? Yeah. And how can, you know, cause I know this is Venus and Mars. Yeah. So how can the men or the, the masculine counterparts in these conversations yeah. how, or these relationships, how can they show up in such a way if they're with a partner Beautiful. who has experienced daddy's issues. This is beautiful. I want to say one thing to lead us there. And that is for a couple of years of my healing journey, I thought that I needed to get rid of this. Like I spent so much of my energy feeling like, okay, this is this thing in me. It sucks. I hate it. I know it's there and I want it gone. So I see the other side, but like, it's got to go. And that never worked, okay? That never worked. It doesn't work because in that moment, you're in essence denying all of the power, all of the magic, all of the lessons, 
all of the vision that is brought into you as a being by having this experience with dad and by growing through it. So there's a lot of positives to take. And through that comes the moment of ownership. Like, yeah, like I fucking went through this fiery shit and I became a fucking badass. I think that is like it. And I'm curious about your journey with that story because I know you've got a girl and I, I think that people <laughs> want to hear it. And I think that'll lead us to the things you just mentioned. Oh, beautiful. Well, this is why it's your podcast, girl. You knew exactly how to segue. So Ooh. that's it's divine. That's divine. Uh. Yeah. What comes up for me is I literally let go of this idea that I'm going to get choked up, but I really release this idea that I'm going to get rid of this. Mm. There are things that are, I don't know if you, many, some of your, your listeners, I'm sure understand the word sanskara. It's like your karmic, the karmic grooves in your journey. And mm. sanskara is like, it's not, it's almost like a scar, right? It heals, yeah. but there are just marks that stay with us. Yeah. I'm never going to get over and be done completely with my daddy issues or yep. my daddy's issues, right? Yes. I'm going, that because they are part of, how I've developed into who I am. Yes. And it's in the acceptance of all of me, even in yes. those moments where I'm like, damn it, I wish I wasn't like this. I wish I wasn't <laughs> spinning out. I wish I wasn't assuming the worst. I wish I wasn't super pessimistic when it comes to men. I wish I wasn't, sure. ex you know, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, fill yeah. in the blank. It's in those moments that I remember and I tell myself it's yeah. okay. Yeah. As long as you're practicing. Yes. And what I practice is not reacting from that place, right? And what I practice is, is honoring myself, is speaking to my inner child, literally. I'll be like, girl, it's okay, <laughs> honey. It's okay. Like I say, it's crazy. You could hear my inner voice. Like I've rebranded my inner voice. Yes. And I just talk to myself like a little girl sometimes. And sometimes I'm just like, just breathe. Just rage and sit with it and be angry, but do it in your own space, in your own place with yourself or a friend. Don't dump yeah. that at my partner's doorstep because yes. it's not about him. It's about never. me. It's never about him. You know? Yep. But only the mm. acceptance of, of that mm. being a part of my journey and a part of my soul's experience has yeah. only that is what has allowed me to see that I'm a badass, to see the yes. empowerment. And it's made me a better, almost everything, man, a better communicator, a better like human, a better lover, a more <laughs> affectionate, empathic person, because I've gone through those things and I navigate them daily. <laughs> preach, preach to everything you are saying and through that journey, through all of these beautiful lessons, I mean, my mentor, Nick Tilia, like I love this man so much, but he has been the one to help me with my inner child. And I definitely talk to that little girl almost every day. And me and her are cool. And we have our connection and our relationship. And I can't believe I didn't even acknowledge her presence for so many years. And that was the moment where things changed and it's so powerful. I just to put this out there, like if anyone's like wondering if crying a lot is a bad thing, I think my answer is no. I, I cry all the time, every few days. 
And it always feels incredible because it's a release and there's something new to find on the other side. And it's almost like if I wasn't going to allow myself to cry, that would be like me not allowing my six-year-old to cry. Yeah, which is exactly it, right? Like that's just nail on head. I think each of us, whether you have these kinds of traumas or experiences or not, each of us is put on this planet in the body that we're in, in the life that we're in Mm. to go through a journey. And those of us who choose it, who choose the growth, like, you know, A, B, C, or D, if we choose D, (laughs) the growth, like the growth route, then there's a reason, then we're able to see that there's a reason we have these experiences and these traumas. And I genuinely believe the reason that I was put on this planet with that particular trauma, among others, is that I needed to learn. My soul needed to learn compassion. And my soul needed to learn how to love an innocent little being. And that innocent little being is me. And without this challenge in my life, I wouldn't have, I mean, obviously choosing the growth, right? I chose it. But like, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to be so self-loving. I wouldn't be able to hold space for others to find such deep, deep love for themselves and to know there's nothing wrong with them, Mm. right? So Mm. it's just, it is so empowering to be able to be what I needed for myself Mm. and to be able to practice that on a daily basis. And yes, girl, that involves crying. I think I cried three times today. I am not (laughs) kidding. That is not an exaggeration. I was like blinking back tears already in this conversation, never to mind the previous crying prior to this podcast. So yes. Ah, God, I think it's amazing. I just think it's amazing. Okay. So I think now that we're thinking about being anxious, attached, being disorganized, being avoidant. Um, There's a book, I think it's called Attached. It's really great. So if you guys are listening and you want to just get into that, um, pick up that book, Attached. It's just a great 101. Um, There are plenty of resources on Instagram as well. But it's it's extremely helpful to understand your kind of foundation and how you can move through them and then start to act the way you want to versus the way your trauma wants you to. Yes. (laughs) What would you say were like old you, new you shifts in regards to how you have approached dating? Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Juicy question. I love this question. Okay. So first of all, I have been divorced uh, twice. After my second divorce, it was like a year after and I went on my first date and so crazy. (laughs) I found myself on this date and I didn't like the guy. I wasn't into him. He was not my type. And I'll never forget this. I was like, he has to like me. And by the end of this date, I want he has to ask me out on another date. And I don't know. I think it was because I was being very mindful, very present, doing all the journaling and like doing the deep work, looking at myself and my behaviors. I He asked me out before we left. And I said, sure, I'll let you know on time. And I left the, it was like a lunch date of some sort. I left the coffee house, whatever. And I said, I cannot date. I literally cannot date anymore because I saw myself and I Mm. saw how I was only dating to get validation. Mm. 
Mm. Not only validation from a guy I like, dude, validation mm. from somebody I wasn't even into. That's mm. how deeply mm. I needed validation. Yeah. And yep. that's when I was like, no more. So the first yep. thing is to really notice yourself and realize what are the behaviors that are occurring that yeah. are, get them from the subconscious to the conscious. Yeah. And then take the time and stop. If you're doing things because you need validation and because this person calling you, talking to you is is making you feel like you have value and worth, mm. there's a gap there, right? Yep. That means you're you're missing a worth and value piece in and of yourself. So that's number one. Girl, I'm going to try and make this like quick. I'm going to try and think of some like quick tips um, around dating. Yeah. The other is boundaries. Yep. Boundaries because I was always made to feel like I was wrong for the way I felt. Yes. So by default, I had very, very loosey-goosey boundaries. Yes. And I made up the story that I will not be loved if I have boundaries, if I hold boundaries. Had that one? And yep. If I said no, if I whatever, if I, if I said this made me angry or this upset me. And so yes. I'd either say nothing or I'd wait and get to like 100, zero to, one, yes. zero to 100 real quick, hashtag Drake, right? Yes. So like- literally no middle ground. So I'd say practice your boundaries and it's going to feel uncomfortable yeah. until you start to get used to it. It's going to make you feel like you want to hurl, right? When you have to say, listen, I wanted to talk to you about something. This made me feel really uncomfortable. Um, mm. I need, and I try and switch it. I need this and this, or I want this and this from yep. a relationship. How do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? So it's a different way instead of you made me feel like. Yes. That's number two is working on your boundaries. Yes. Um, so releasing validation, the need for validation, validating yourself, working on your boundaries. And then finally, recognizing and forgiving yourself for trauma. Yeah. And for the fact that trauma plays itself out. I feel so emotional, you guys. Oh, my voice mm. is not shaking. I'm so like emo with this, mm. but you know, cause I'm forgiving myself daily for the fact that my, I feel sometimes like my brain and my reactions do not work the way other women who haven't experienced this do. Yes. So yes. Sometimes I go, I can go into like self beat up about it. And what I do is I just forgive myself for that. Yeah. And I give myself time. I don't just react and I don't just speak. I have created a community of amazing mm. people in my life. I'm yeah. so emotional today. I oh, adore my God. you. I adore oh, you. God. But it's true. Like I've, you know, because we, when we have trauma like this and it can come from any parent and it can look like anything, not just daddy issues, we tend to create that in all of our relationships. Sometimes yeah. our work relationships mirror that. Our friendship relationships yeah. mirror that. And we're just constantly trying to prove ourselves and make ourselves yeah. worthy in the eyes of all these people. So you got to like pause on the dating and start to look totally. at your life. Who is, totally. how are you talking to yourself? Who are you surrounding yourself by? Do they love up on you? Do they feed your soul? Do they totally. sit and listen to you and give you good advice? <laughs> so that's really what has shifted. I've forgiven myself for my traumas. Mm. I accept that I have the brain that I have, that I have the history and the background that I have, mm. and I don't let it run my life. I yes. pause. I don't react when I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to cut this dude. Like, <laughs> totally. I'm like, Nope. Breathe girl. Is the house on fire or is the toast smoking <laughs> in the, uh, in the toaster? <laughs> like, right. I call a girlfriend. 
I call my homegirls. Yes. I'll call Anya. I'll talk to my friends yes. and be like, is it me? Am I losing it? And they'll be like, yeah, girl, you need to breathe. Like it. And then I go, oh, okay, let me sit with this. And right. then I recognize the story. So I hope right. I did that. That was very long-winded. That was so from the heart. That was so beautiful. I resonated with everything you just said. I think it's powerful. And, whoo, man, I'm just going to, let's just take a minute and take all of that in. And one thing that really just resonated for me was when there's a gaping hole of worth and being seen, then the way a person dates is actually not loving. It's the most selfish thing in the world because all they're doing is trying to meet that need. And that's what all the over-explaining is about. That's what all the doing everything perfect is about. I think, I mean, I, for years, I was afraid to be myself in almost every dating situation with a man because I thought I could be this way or that way or this way or that way. And what did, where did that get me? That got me nowhere. It got me just nothing. I, I was nothing. I was, I was dead. I was empty. I was, I wasn't me. It was, it was tragic as hell. And it's because of that hole. <laughs> it was tragic as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it was tragic as hell. And I was like, this is not me. This is not me. That's because it's not me. That was not you. If all, if women that are listening to this right now are, are resonating, all of those moments, all of those experiences, that is not you. That is what happened to you on replay, acting itself out over and over again. God, those four things that you mentioned are just pivotal for gaining back the you that is you, finding the you, that inner child work, the time with yourself, especially like me, when meeting people now, it's, it's like, I try to treat everyone just like a friend. That calms things down for me. Just like, how would you talk to your girl? How would you talk to your homie that you've known since you were six? Like, just break it down. Because when you have trauma, every little text or not text or meetup or not meetup is like a fight or flight situation. It's like we're in our hunter gatherer mode and we're just like, this is life or death. I got to fix this right now. I got to send the text. And it's so intense. <laughs> It's like what it's like for, for most people on like, but like multiplied by 10, like 10 right. times more fraught with like crazy. Crazy. <laughs> so man, it's like hard to even say this in words, but I think we're doing a pretty good job. Like we're getting to the heart of it. Oh, because it's just, it's important. And then ooh, when it, when you get back in touch with your little girl and you heal and things start to shift and it's a slow process and it takes time and you finally come to a conclusion with with dad and i think what really helped me hopefully this resource will be helpful for you all the book of forgiveness desmond tutu powerful book oh he's one of my favorites good mm. i cried when he passed away oh my really, gosh i felt that deeply yeah yeah that man just what a kind um soul what a divine spirit. And he talks about the relationships that require forgiveness as being relationships we can either renew or release. And so when you think about that with your own dad relationship, you, you can decide what's right for you. It'll never be the way that you wanted it to be. That's just like a, a fact in life. Oh, and that's what gets yeah. to go. So dad gets to move from this place of focus 
as he was when you when we were a child because as a little girl like all you really are looking for as any you know I'm so into obviously masculine and feminine dynamics the feminine is looking for praise adoration <laughs> attention to be seen this is it and the, none of those when none of those are met it's tragic and that's kind of what we've gone through and showed and and, and how it's kind of shown up in our lives so when we take dad off from that place we can do all of those things for ourselves and then we can finally kind of put him in, in, in a different place and renew that relationship in a, in a much healthier way so that we can be healthier in general. I think jumping in, I love that we're doing this, but this is fun. So we talked about romance and we talked about love and I think that's important. I want to jump into career because I know that that's part of our conversation. Let's jump in it there. Totally because... Before we do that, I yeah. wanted to just share one thing, which yes, I please. think will help as please. this is on the dating front. Yeah. Um, the piece that's been the most, this is once you do all of the practice, all the things we talked about yeah. already, right? And you're moving, you're going up the ladder on your healing journey and you're getting stronger and stronger and more, you're building more and more self-love for yourself. Yeah. When you begin to lean into the relationship, this is what's helped me the most. Yeah. Is do your best to navigate and like and then love based on who is pouring into you. Yeah. versus liking and loving based on the story you're creating about this person. Oh, I that, like their outfit, the music that. they like, the things we have in common, the things like, right, mm. I like it, the way he looks, I like the way he speaks, or whatever it is. Sure. Do your best to navigate and slowly move out, move away from liking and loving because of that and like yes. and love because he's leaning into you. Then wow. you lean in a little into him then he leans in, then you lean in. So love because the person is investing and pouring into you versus mm. loving because they're validating something or because of the story you've created. That's mm. helped me with my, what did you call it? Attachment. What's the healthy attachment style? I always forget it. Secure. 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 Thank you. I'm like, it's an S. Secure. <laughs> that yes. has helped me learn, slowly learn how to attach in a secure healthy way. All right. Now I'm complete. Wait, wait, that was so beautiful. And I think we just, we need to do one thing because my favorite thing about this movement and this mission and part of my trauma and what happened with that and how I've moved through all of this is to bring men and women together. It's just like on my heart, it's on my skin. It's, this is it. So I love men and I think men really love women too. I know this to be true. So what would you say to the men that are hearing this and starting to start putting together this whole going from daddy issues to daddy's issues and how maybe some of the women in their lives, maybe potential women they want to date are showing up or things are noticing? What would you say to these men to help them in navigating with women that have gone through what we've gone through? Yeah, this is such a beautiful question. I'm so glad you asked it, Anya. So what would I say to men who are navigating relationships with women who have experienced daddy's issues? I would say I love men also. And I love them because they want to serve. Yeah. Because I believe they are put on the planet to support. And they want to problem solve and fix. And what I would say is, as much as we love that and need that from them, in the case of women with daddy's issues, it's very helpful for men 
to just be there. So just be there without a desire to fix and resolve and solve, but be there and allow space for her vulnerability. Yeah. So that's one of the most challenging things because men don't want their woman to cry or be in pain. They want to fix that. They Mm want to solve that. And it's an innate, deep, deep, deep set desire. And I think in the case of women with daddy's issues, your presence and your consistency, just being a consistent presence, like not dipping in, dipping out, like don't do that. Just then don't be there at all, right? Like don't dip in, dip out. Be consistent with your communication, with your attention. That doesn't mean it needs to be 24-7 crazy amounts. Just whatever it is, have that amount that feels good for you, be consistent. And then um, allow space for her to be emotional. Allow space for her to be herself. And I do think reassurance is important. Yeah. It's not about a validation tour, which I'm stealing from one of my best male friends, Uh, right? (laughs) You know who I'm talking about. We're doing doing the work so that we don't need the validation, the the, the nonstop validation. But yeah, if you have a woman who's experienced that, she does need to know how you feel about her. And she needs you to say it because it's the saying it that she didn't get. Yeah. When she was younger and she's saying it to herself all the time and she wants to be with a man who can meet that and match totally. that. That's powerful. And I was just going to say, just to finally round this up, men, it's not your fault. It's not your responsibility. This is not yours. It's not yours yes. to fix. It's none of that. And that's the misconception that I think is out in culture. Like men saying things like, oh, I don't want any of that. And it's like, this is not yours. She shouldn't even be dating at all if she's got that gaping wound that we were talking about earlier. But if she has started working on herself and is doing her part and is self-soothing and you're interested in this woman because let's be real, women that have gone through this craziness are usually extremely empathetic, caring, kind, (laughs) compassionate. And we know this and we know women like this. So it makes sense. It's not yours to fix, but the consistency and the interest is bare minimum what this woman deserves from you. That part. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and then just build from there, right? So love languages. I have all the love languages. I like gifts. I like words of affirmation. I like physical touch. I like time spent. All of that. <laughs> I love that. On the real though, it's beautiful. I love this conversation. This might even be a great segue into all of the ways in which the badassery has come to life in career. Thanks to, despite of, in spite of, I always mix all those up, (laughs) these issues. So what were some of the challenges you'd say you faced and then how did you overcome them to kind of really just find that those sparks from this. Yeah, to find my shine. Yeah. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about to find my shine. So let's see. I think I'll share a story in this case, which I think is very profound. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always been very chatty. I've always been a bit of a big mouth. (laughs) And uh, when I was younger, my dad, that's a gift, right? But I didn't see it as a gift my whole life because when I was younger, my dad would call me big. That was like his nickname for me. Yeah. But And I mean, he could have, maybe he didn't mean it the way that I took it, but I also know he would use that in a way to like dig at me too. Mm. And 
I then made up a story that I talk too much. I'm too loud. I laugh Mm. too loud. I'm too big. I'm too bold. I'm too seen. And that's wrong in some way. I made that wrong based on, based on that. You know, again, I don't know what his intention was. I just know how I perceived it. And then the story that I made up because of it. So one of the journeys along this road of my life so far has been to embrace that about myself. And again, because I've had the the journey is to love myself. So if I'm loving and accepting every aspect of myself, I get to Mm -hmm. love and accept even the aspects of myself that maybe somebody, you know, that somebody made fun of or my dad kind of belittled, you know, whether he meant it that way or didn't mean it that way. And so for me, the biggest fear of my life has been speaking. The biggest fear of my life has been putting myself out there and being on a stage and being on a podcast (laughs) and being in the presence of other human beings and sharing about myself and opening my big mouth, right? Yes. And now I own it. Hell yeah, I'm big. I am five foot two and a half and a huge <laughs> personality, y'all. <laughs> right? And I'm a I tiny thing with a big, with a big brand, with a big personality, with a big sense of self, with a big purpose, with a big mission. That's been the journey. So if I didn't have this wound, I wouldn't have been able to cross over to this side of it, right? If we're not afraid, there's no opportunity to be courageous and brave. Oh, that is quotable and beautiful. Wow, Magali. I think it's it just resonates so much for me. I mean, God damn our dads. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Russian American I mean, thank like, you. Thank you, Dad. You know, yeah. like thank you for these issues these issues because yeah. look at how they've made me so much stronger. Look how they've look where they've taken you to a podcast called Mars and Venus. Are you kidding? <laughs> you can't make this up. <laughs> you can't make this up. I mean, I'm telling you, I just am hearing this and I'm realizing like when I was little, it was like, you know, typical. And I like you mentioned in the beginning maybe cultural issues were at play here too, but it was like, children should be seen, not heard. Like always just don't talk, be quiet. I don't want to see you. And so it's been crazy getting some feedback from people the last uh, few weeks. That's been something like a version of, dang, you have a badass radio voice. Oh my God, your voice, you sound amazing. And I'm just like, wait, my voice? (laughs) The thing of that I was told things. to of keep all. inside. <laughs> of all the things. Yeah. It's great. Honestly, you can't make this stuff up because it happens perfectly. And there's another element of this too that I think just to, to touch on briefly, I meet so many women, and I know you have too, that have this kind of like perfectionism, high achieving anxiety kind of overworking in the brain. And I know it causes a lot of health problems. I know it causes a lot of gut problems. This just like fear, this like perfectionism, this idea that like, I'm just not quite doing it right. And I had this like hilarious moment happen maybe a couple years ago with someone, a mutual actually person that we know, Nick Brooks. And I like created something as I do, as we all do. And I said, something like, is this okay? Is it good enough? You know, in my typical back then voice. And he said something like, are you kidding me? Everything you do is always good enough. You're the problem. You're the problem. You are the problem. What's in your brain? And yes, it was harsh, but I definitely think I needed to hear that because it's in here. It's all in here in our brains. And that's what I'm pointing at. And so 
how do you think about perfectionism and how do you help people through that? This is so beautiful because when you said, <laughs> I know you know women and I know, we, I know, we, and I'm like, wait, I am the woman. You just I am the woman. The woman, me. You're the one. You're, me, <laughs> you, us. Wait, the type A, the overanalyzing, the perfectionism, like that's yeah. me, right? I, I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist because yes. I now know the only surefire way to fail is two things. One is to not try. And two is to think you can be perfect because guess what? There's no such thing. Yes. So whatever I'm going to say, I have worked through for myself. So I do work on courage and confidence, right? I'm a compassionate leadership expert that I have a company called Workplace Catalyst. And that's what yes. we do with organizations. Um, and we have, you know, sub -facilita other facilitators that also join us and, and do this work. But I personally... One of the things I love most and want, one of my most heart-connected goals and, and passions is supporting people. They're mainly women, but we have men too, but supporting mm -hmm. people and non-binary individuals, um, LGBTQ+, A, all the things. Um, but so uh, is, is supporting people with confidence and building their confidence. Yeah. Uh, and breaking through in powerful ways because it's what I needed to do for myself. And when it comes to behaviors that break confidence, one of the main behaviors that break confidence is perfectionism. Mm. And mm. yeah, there's just a beautiful opportunity to recognize that perfectionism is just your inner voice telling you that you're not good enough and you'll never be good enough. Yep. And as a pattern, because we, I'm going to talk to those who have daddy's issues. We've had yes. daddy's issues. We've heard this from our, that parent, right? Over the course of our youth, then we eventually become that voice. So yep. we are telling ourselves we're not enough and yep. we need to, it's almost like a, so Eckhart Tolle talks about this. I think it's in a new earth uh, chapter eight. It's like amazing. It's on the pain body. We have to, as human beings, feed the pain. So mm. whatever we're angry about, enraged about, whatever's pissing us off the most, that's our pain body. And our natural inclination is to feed that. So mm. if my inclination is to believe that I'm not enough and that's my story, that's my pain body, then I'm going to feed myself whatever reiterates that I'm not enough. And mm. what reiterates that I'm not good enough most and best <laughs> Perfectionism. Perfectionism. You're not perfect. Now I will never feel like I'm enough. So Absolutely. it's just a readjustment. It's a paradigm shift of I am enough. I am good enough. This is good enough. Yes. This is good enough. And just like reiterating that. I don't know if there's a magic pill to it. Again, we're always practicing something. So yeah. for me, it's not about one moment that was one and done. I'm always in this conversation and I practice shifting my behaviors and over time the practice gets easier and easier and easier mm. and I'm love less that. and less and less of a perfectionist and I love myself and love myself and love myself and believe I'm enough all the time interesting right so beautiful I what was underneath the perfectionism for me too was always being misunderstood and I think for me it was like and especially with this podcast too it's like I've only been able to start to express properly in the way that I really desire to, if I know that I'm worthy enough to be misunderstood and it will be okay. Oh, and you will still be loved by you. Yeah. 
Yeah, I will still be loved. And by the amazing people that surround you, right? You'll still be loved. Yeah. Right. That's because, you know, you can't talk for an hour with somebody without saying at least one or two stupid things. It's just impossible. You're human. You're a human that makes mistakes. And that is so important for us to all remember in this world, in this culture that we're living in. Like, God damn, we're human beings, you know? We we say silly things, you know? Yep, I love it. It's we're we're human we're we're beings having a human experience. And in mm. that process, the human experience is about trial and error. The human experience is about falling and getting up and learning how mm. to crawl and then walk and learning and messing up yeah. and learning. And we just get to remember, you know, as the powerful, amazing women that we are that Ooh. this entire life is about falling and getting up and learning and growing. Ooh. Should we choose it? Which I know anyone listening has chosen it. <laughs> has oh, chosen yes. it. And that's who we're talking about. You know, Magalie, when I look at you and I think about you and all the years that I've just watched you just blossom, it's it's out of control the amount of trust I have in you. And I think that is because of your daddy's issues in part. And this is something that everyone can hear. And I'm saying this to Magli because I see her resourcefulness. I see her just drive, her intention, her vision, her tenacity, her just all of these elements. And I'm talking to myself too. It's like, I'm not going to sleep or I'm not going to stop until I feel like I've helped the world in some way. And that isn't by accident. You're not just born with that. You've got to go through something to kind of wake that up in you. And, and you've done that. And women out there that have had difficult scenarios in their childhood that we've all mentioned, you also have that same exact thing. You've got the same exact thing inside of you and you're worthy of whatever it is that you desire deeply. I mean, I feel like you just, you said that so beautifully. You really mm-hmm. did. There's nothing, first of all, I, I receive Yes, right. please receive, um, for, receive for a few I seconds. That. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to really take this moment to receive all of that because that was just a beautiful example of what everyone listening to this gets to have in their life. They get to have mm. relationships with people that pour into them. And mm. this is how we pour into each other. And this is, you know, you're going to learn practice pouring into yourself. And then you're going to attract women that pour into you. <laughs> Like Anya, like the beautiful Anya. And you're going to attract partners that do the same. And you're going to create magnificent careers built on fulfillment and purpose. In some way, it's going to bring the same to your life. It's going to pour into you because you're going to become unavailable for anything less. Mm, That's powerful. And the last thing I'll say, just because it just feels right to say, and if you desire children... You're going to have a man in your life that's their father who then breaks the cycle of daddy's issues. And that is actually why I'm here. And that's why I'm doing all of this because now I'm going to tear up because I think that's it. It's just so important that we help each other break these cycles because it's really not about us, not even our generation. It's just about the kids that are born in the future. And the legacy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh my God. This is so love dope, you. girl. This is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
love you so much. Yeah, and I love you too. It's such a divine gift to be able to do this with people that you just vibe with, you know, like uh, my people. So it's so good. So good. Uh, that beautiful thing that's created between the space, just what we get to create. That's why it feels so buzzy and so alive when you connect with others that vibe on your level, because it's you're literally doing God's work. You're creating something new. Oh, I love you. I adore you. I can't wait to see what the future of 2022 has in store for you and all of the beautiful things coming your way. So uh, you can find me on my website, of course, MagaliRenee.com. That's M-A-G-A-L-I-E-R-E-N-E.com or WorkplaceCatalyst.com. Just like it sounds, you can also find me on Insta at Magali underscore R-E-N-E. So Magali underscore Renee. Uh, Follow me, find me on LinkedIn, all the same names. So good. It was so great to be here. Thank you, Anya. I adore you. Her Instagram gives me life, everybody. And also I'll put all these links into the Spotify uh, body copy. So you'll be able to just click. Phenomenal. Adore you all. Okay, Venus and Mars podcast. Until next time. (laughs) 